Hello, what is up? And welcome to Humans of Magic, the show that gets up deep and personal with your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. I'm your host, James Sue. You are listening to episode 112 with Milan Bayana. Milan is one of the youngest players to qualify for the Magic Online Champions Showcase and Magic Pro Tour. At only 16 years old, he's already a Top Chef competitor. He's also the owner of the Little Chef Mill TikTok account with over 900,000 followers. So he's not only a fantastic, wonderkind magic player, he's also a phenomenal chef. In this episode, we're going to be talking about just these two domains and the overlaps. How Milan learned to get good at these two things his origin story in both of these two things, his Top Chef experience, and what is up with the Magic Zoomers. Why are they playing Magic Online, of all things? This is a fun episode, a fun listen. Milan is definitely wise beyond his years, and I'm so glad to have had the opportunity to talk to him. I also have an exciting announcement to make. That's right, Humans of Magic is now on YouTube. I finally added the visual component of this podcast to number one video platform on the internet, and that is YouTube. So please find Humans of Magic on YouTube. Please subscribe. Please get notifications for new videos. Do all that stuff. I think it's going to be a fun journey. I finally picked up a little bit of courage and knowledge to do the visual component of the podcast. We're going to do some fun stuff in addition to getting the full episodes like the one you're listening to. I'm also going to be experimenting with vlogs, experimenting with shorter clips. So I think it's going to be a fun time. You can either search for just Humans of Magic on YouTube or you can find the link in the show notes or on my link tree. Please go check it out. I think it's going to be fun. Please leave a comment, like, subscribe, do all that stuff that YouTubers want you to do. I'm now a YouTuber. Please also follow Humans of Magic on the other social platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find all the accounts on Humans of Magic, one word, on those platforms. And of course, you can still get Humans and Magic in all the usual places, all the podcasting platforms. If you're listening to this now, that means you're on it. Please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And if you're interested in supporting Humans and Magic directly, please head on to my Patreon at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Especially with the weekly releases and the youtube content that i'm now putting out every little bit of support goes a long way if you join the patreon you can get access to our exclusive discord community and we can chat you can give me feedback so if patreon is a good time please consider joining if you haven't already milan how are you doing today good good how are you doing i'm doing good i'm doing good you're one of the youngest people that I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. Although mm-hmm. at this point, you probably have a ton of experience just 
talking to people in general, right? <laughs> Either publicly or privately. Yeah, I'd say I had a few more interviews with the average person at my age. <laughs> so do you still get nervous about talking to people? Or I, I don't know, actually, were you ever nervous before you got, you got to do more of it? I don't know. I've always been like a debate kid. Uh, um, lo- love public speaking, love talking to people. So I think that's definitely lucky for when recent circumstances happened that I had that background. But I've just always loved talking. I also know that right now for a lot of people going through school, a lot mm-hmm. of people are still using Zoom and online stuff, if I understand correctly, right? Yeah, my previous year, or I guess, uh, I guess two years now previous, um, was completely completely virtual. I didn't go in at all. My oh, okay. Okay, so that also means that you're quite familiar with, or I don't know about comfortable, but you're used to the whole like Zoom and looking at each other, people on a screen and all that stuff. Yeah, it feels like right back in 2020, I'm sitting down for my math class. <laughs> <laughs> Is it hard to learn math when you're doing it over Zoom? I mean... I think it was really a struggle for everyone. Um, I think our teachers were all very surprised by how dumb we were when we went back in person this year. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you feel like it was especially hard for some of the teachers, maybe more than others? Definitely a lot of the older teachers spent, I'd say, the first month of online school trying to figure out how to use Zoom. Um, once they got past that hurdle, it was a little better. Yeah, for sure. So how, how is school right now? Is it, is, are things kind of back to normal where you are in Maryland or? Yeah, um, I think recently COVID cases have been spiking, um, but in my area, it's been pretty good. Um, we've been on, uh, in person the entire school year. Um, no virtual classes at all. Uh, and I don't think there's any real plans to move anything virtual for the next few years, um, no matter really what the COVID issue is. Do you do you like going to having to go to class every day or did you get so used to online that you prefer like something else? Our online school schedule was really nice. It was like four days a week instead of five and nine to two instead of eight to three. So I can say I definitely preferred that. Um, but in terms of just like full online versus full in person, uh, if it was the same hours, I definitely do prefer in person. I like seeing all my classmates. I like seeing my teachers. Um, definitely the like human interaction there is something I missed last year. Yeah, it's interesting because you know I've, I'm I'm a lot older than you are, and so mm-hmm. when I went through high school, there was no internet. I mean, there was barely internet. I think ICQ came out, and we we had to go home to our computers. There was no nothing on mobile, right? This is the '90s. This this mm-hmm. is uh, something yeah. that I'm sure people of your generation, and I say your generation because you're you're a lot younger. You just like. It's not something in your world, but I'm just wondering, like, because nowadays people in your generation are so online all the time. Mm-hmm. So does it really matter that you you go to class and you see somebody because you can basically DM them or text them all the time or just I don't know, just like you could find them on an Instagram post or or TikTok or something. Right. So does it I mean, how, how, what is it? What's the reality like when you're. When you're someone, because I, you're what, 16 years old right now? I'm 16 years old, yeah. Okay, so what is it like to be 16 right now? Like, like just, just socially, you know? It's kind of a very general question. I, I think, I mean, it's definitely very different. The amount of access we have is definitely very different from, uh, like, I guess, previous generations. The fact that I can really reach out to anyone who goes to my school, 
really, I could find anyone in the world at basically a few clicks. It does make like communication a lot easier, but I mean, there's something special and like something different about one-to-one communication, like in person that you really can't capture online, no matter how hard you try. Like, unfortunately, we're not in the metaverse yet. And there is a level of barrier to speaking through Instagram or TikTok or whatever um, that you really don't have when you're speaking in person. At the risk of generalizing, do you feel like a lot of your friends feel similarly? Like, you know, like the offline can't really be replaced by online interactions. Yeah, I do think that. Like, as much as, like, online communication and online living has really been a great, like, benefit of modern-day society, like, but I think the COVID pandemic really showed that there is something special from in-person, one-on-one communication uh, that you just really can't get online yet. Are you, like super strong academically i mean are you like i don't know like what what are you like <laughs> as a student i'd say i'm i'm dedicated to the things i like it's kind of like me outside of the classroom as well if there's a subject i enjoy i'll really like push myself in that area and try to get um learn everything i can about the topic classes i don't enjoy uh you can find me on my phone during most of the class instead of listening to the teacher <laughs> Do, do teachers yell at students for like being on their phone during class or do you guys like keep it pretty low key where you can kind of do it very subtly and they don't, they don't find out? I think like most teachers nowadays don't really care anymore. It's like, I think after the, really after last year when we were online and there was literally no way they could control what we're doing, they kind of decided like, okay, you like get good grades in my class. I don't really care what you're doing. results oriented yeah Yeah. exactly results oriented thinking Um, my math teacher I think is this last one clinging on like you gotta put your phone at the door have to bring out your notebook no no talking it's very very old school yeah 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 I mean do you even remember I mean maybe even compared to when you were 11 or 12 or like a few years ago Mm. I mean has it changed like just the feeling of how teachers deal with students? Uh, I'd say it's, it's pretty similar. Like even in elementary school, like I didn't have a phone, sure, but I had a book under my table. If I needed it, I had like your teachers can never really control you, even if they try super hard. So I think uh, the situation is the same. Just the circumstances have changed a little bit. And what are your favorite subjects at school? Uh, I really enjoy history subjects. So like, uh, I'm taking, I took AP U.S. history last year, um, like the social sciences, I took like AP macroeconomics is one of my favorite classes I took, AP microeconomics. Right on. I didn't know that they, you could, you could take microeconomics at, in high school now, but it's AP, right? Advanced placement. Yeah. So. so it's a little weird. It's technically a college level course, but they teach it in high school. Um, yeah. So you can like choose on, if you want to have a more challenging schedule, you can choose to add a few of those to your course instead of normal classes so other than math what subjects do you not enjoy so much <laughs> um i'm not a big science fan um i like oh i'll go to the class um but i think definitely that's like something i don't find particularly interesting I'm more of a social studies guy have you any I know you're only 16, but have you any ideas about what you want to study in college? Oh, God. Um, oh, no idea right now. Maybe like something economics related, if I had to pick today. Um, but it's, it's up in the air. I can see myself doing almost anything other than a science. 
I mean, I, I'm wondering like how you, what's your process for trying to figure that out? Like, do you just think about it on your own? Do you talk to your family? Do you talk to certain friends that you trust? Or is it, is it like, how do you make that decision? Even though I know you haven't made that decision yet. Yeah, I think when, when the time comes, obviously I get two years in college to decide before I pick my major. And that's obviously a big, big boon there. I can spend time trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, and I expect that when the time comes, I'll like talk to my peers, talk to my teachers, and hopefully have a better idea uh, by that by then. Because the cooking and you know you being very well known for that at this point, I think just is that something that you actually want to make a career, or do you think of it differently? Like this is just kind of a passion or a hobby that I'm involved in. I I think it's for me personally more of a passion and a hobby. Um, I definitely, I, a lot of people love to ask that question, like, oh, are you going to be a chef when you grow up? Um, and I do love to cook, but it's, uh, it's not like a professional love. I've actually recently been working in a kitchen um, as a job during the summer, and there's a lot of repetitiveness to it, which is something that I've, I've always disliked. <laughs> so you don't have like a, like a day or two to work on a... I don't know, an omelet or, or something, right? Like it's a lot more, um, how do I say Very it? formulaic. A, a assembly line or formulaic. Yes, exactly. Okay. I said, um, I have my task and I do that and then pick a new one for the next day or yeah. do the same one again. But I think a lot of life is like that. I don't know if you've talked to um, people older about it, but mm. or maybe you just know. It's just like sometimes you do a, a certain job and it's you have to deal with like 60 or 70% of it being not super fun, but then you can get your 20% of fun because you're willing to deal with the other stuff. So I'm wondering if like, if you thought about that as well. Yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping uh, that I'll find a job with maybe a more 50-50 balance, but uh, there are definitely a lot of repetitiveness in that I'll have to do when I grow older. And uh, that is a big part of, I guess, work, work life. Yeah. So you have one older sister, right? She's in college? I do, yeah. Uh, she's a sophomore at Duke. Uh, sophomore at Duke. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, four years apart, exactly. Right. And she was helping you with the, the TikTok initially, or I don't know, is she still doing that? Are you guys still doing yeah, stuff together? Yeah, um, we, we still work together for the majority of our videos. She does the voiceovers. I do the cooking. It kind of plays off both of our strengths. Okay. Uh, what, how did you come up, how did you guys come up with the idea for her to do the voiceover? Cause I, I think in the very beginning there was really no voiceover or, and then it, and then the voiceover started happening. So how, how did that start? Yeah. Oh God. I mean, I mean, I think back here, um, but the very first video we made, um, was actually on her account, uh, of a beef Wellington that I'd made for Thanksgiving dinner almost two years ago at this point. Uh, and I remember that video did really well. And we decided that we're going to transfer ownership of the account. I'd take over a little bit and she could, um, and I guess, but there was still like that, that partnership that had created the first video because it was on her account, uh, still remained. And so we pretty quickly decided to do some sort of working together where she makes the voiceover as I do the cooking and it worked pretty well. So uh, this is going to be like more of an inside baseball question, but when you guys are thinking about what videos to to make does mm -hmm. it start with like the 
the voiceover and how you're going to talk about it? Do you discuss it together? Do you just say today I'm going to make this and then she helps figure out how to talk about it? How, do, how does that process work or how did, how did it work? I guess. The cooking process normally starts with uh, whatever I'm hungry for that day. <laughs> um, okay. And I kind of just, it's normally on the weekend or whenever I have a free afternoon and I kind of grab some ingredients, uh, go to the store. Um, my mom helps me pick up all the stuff we're missing. Um, and then we start cooking for four or five hours and, uh, then I'll send over all the clips to her. She'll edit it and put it out. Oh, so she does the editing. She does like the production does, of it. Yeah. It's like, I've, I've started to take more on more of the editing as she's more busy uh, with college life and like getting jobs and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but she definitely has like the lead on the production stuff. Well, yeah. I take over the cooking. What, what's she studying at Duke? I know she's not a cook. You have mentioned that. So <laughs> She's a biophysics major. Uh, so oh. very, very fancy, very sciencey, unlike me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh... the, the reason I brought up whether you have a sibling, and I know you have a sister, mm-hmm. is because my, so I, I think I'm a little bit more like your sister in that I can't <laughs> make dishes to save my life. Like I could probably make fried rice or something super simple, like, but my younger brother, so I have one brother, he went mm-hmm. through culinary arts. He went through like oh. uh, cooking, like he got trained on it. He worked in mm. a kitchen and then like a, a restaurant for several years. And guess what? At the end of it, he's no longer doing that because he was also <laughs> telling me something that you said, like it was, he was actually starting to get almost like health problems because he was like standing too long and he was getting burns oh, from being like okay. in the kitchen yeah. and just like, kind of the battle scars and now he's got an office mm. job and he's actually happier and but i <laughs> happy working the nine to five he seems happier just making stuff like like maybe like you like as a passion like he said when he feels like it he does something at home because also when you're working uh in a kind of a professional industry you don't actually mm. want to do that when you get home it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like how people say once you work at the mcdonald's you never want to eat mcdonald's again like you're too close to it so mm. um Maybe you're onto something. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's better to keep it as a as a passion or hobby, right? Yeah, exactly. Definitely, yeah. like, um, there's no pressure when it's a passion or a hobby. It's something that you do when you want to. And obviously, a job is very different. I have to go and rain or shine, uh, sleep or awake. Yeah. And I'm also wondering, uh, with regards to the Top Chef experience, did that also affect your views about kind of? doing this stuff professionally or or not like because that was quite uh that must have been quite an experience maybe maybe first i can ask you to describe the experience a little bit for people that are on the outside like me (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's very uh it's only a very like it's enlightening experience i was there for so this was last um the end of my freshman year actually which was a completely virtual year i took off almost a month and a half of school um to go film in la and then after that, it took around a month and a half of summer as well as we continued filming. Um, it's really especially during the height of the pandemic at that point. Um, so there were very strict COVID protocols. We stayed at this hotel uh, with the other contestants. And other than that, though, we didn't have much interaction with people. Um, but it was definitely like the, the actual filming of the show um, was, it took a long time. Um, like you, you see these 30 minute clips online, these quick episodes, and it seems like, oh, it's fairly simple. You sit down, you cook, but we'd be spending like eight, nine hours. You have to reshoot shots, 
redo entire sections. Um, and it, it's a lot, a lot harder than it looks. It's like making a movie, right? Or making oh, a TV yeah. series. Like just... I mean, very much, it's more of a, if people coming from the magic world where competitions are competitions first, shows second, uh, cooking shows are truly shows first, competitions second. Um, it was, we had to make sure we had good shots, make sure we had interesting interviews, that sort of stuff. Right. Um, while the cooking was, I guess, the, was the focus of the show, but not the, the entire show. It's more like the theme, right? But it's a thing that yeah. happens as, yeah, a, exactly. as a theme in the background. And it's more about the, the people. Because like the these people. people that do the television, they know what works and they know it's about well, the stories exactly. and people, right? So Definitely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned things like reshoots. Like, is there, just to also get super incited, like, are, are mm -hmm. there reshoots where you've already made a dish? Because like in the show, it looks like, okay, there's a, there's a contest and you have like a certain amount of time to do it and then you do it and then the judges taste it. But if you have to reshoot something that involves uh, some aspect of that, do you actually have to like remake dishes or like, or do things like that? They're, they're actually very good about like, I think the sanctity of the competition way. Uh, you, if they gave you 30 minutes, you had really had 30 minutes to create a dish and they wouldn't reshoot after that, but it's like, Oh, you're walking up to present your dish to the judges. You might do that 10 times. Oh, you're <laughs> um, like talking an interview about your dish. You're going to film four hours of content for 10 minutes of interview. Yeah. Um, I think the, they, they did. They definitely, it wasn't like the competition was fake. They, they did try to give us a, a fair, fair rep, fair okay. rap. So the, the sanctity is there. But I imagine when you say like you be there for a whole day, so there might, there might be a lot of just waiting around. Like you just you're just kind of like mm. with your with your mom or with the other contestants and just kind of just kind of chilling and, and just waiting. Is that what it is? Pretty much, yeah. I would be waiting around for this shot, waiting around for that shot. It's in the break room. Wait for this. Wait for that. But it was fun. I really I got to know the competitors really well. We're still friends to this day, and something that I definitely like. Once really a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what about the judges? Because you had mentioned, you know, the interviews that, you know, the judges are celebrities. Like, did you, mm -hmm. did you have a chance to get to know them a little bit? Like, when you're not shooting? Or are they pretty busy doing their thing? Or how, how did that, what was that experience? No, I, unfortunately, I did not get to know the judges as well as I did the contestants. So, like, we saw the judges um, when we were filming, uh, but not much outside of that. Got it. Got it. And is there anything that you feel like just looking back on it, you learned from the whole Top Chef experience, whether it's a knowledge thing or a mental thing or something else? God, there might be too many lessons to count in one, in one interview. Oh, um, I mean, just, just give me a couple. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, a big part of what it was is like, I guess I learned more, a lot more about the industry as a whole, like the idea of what goes into making these television shows. It's like, it really is awesome to get a peek behind that curtain. Like I grew up watching cooking competitions. I grew up watching, I mean, everyone grows up watching television shows uh, and it's seeing behind that both, both with like that and the curtain in uh, the wizard of Oz, like you got to see a little bit of the magic, but there's also a lot of magic you discovered after seeing behind that curtain. Okay. So, so just kind of knowing how that thing works. I mean, did you, did you learn something from maybe the other contestants in, in some way or? Um, I think like it was very interesting. They came from a lot of different walks of life as well. 
I guess like growing up um, where I did, uh, I wouldn't like meet people from different parts of the country very often. Um, but I mean, the contestants came from Hawaii, Alaska, like California, Texas, everywhere across the country. And people with very different like political views, very different uh, views on everything in life and like hearing about their perspective and how they view the world was something that I really valued. Got it. And uh, this is kind of related, but also, you know, you, you mentioned from all walks of life, but maybe tell me a bit more about your family. You, t- you talked about your, your sister and, you know, you're very public, at least in the show with your, your mother. But mm. I mean, just, just tell me what, I mean, I assume you, you were like born and raised in, in Chevy Chase, Maryland or. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, lived in the same area my whole life. Um, my mom was born and raised in India. She moved here when she was around 30. Um, and my dad was born here, but raised a little bit in India. Um, he moved back when he was uh, in his teens, um, and then came back to the U.S. Do you know uh, what region? That. Do you know what regions of India they their uh, their families are from? Or yeah, my mom is from Bengal. Um, my dad my dad is Punjabi. Okay, okay. So you were entirely just. I mean, have you have you had a chance to visit India or or anything like that? Yeah, we go fairly often. Uh, when I was younger, we were going almost once a year. Um, but now I, I haven't been since since the COVID pandemic. Um, okay. Just haven't really had the opportunity to go back. But uh, next summer, I'm sure we will. Tell me a bit more about your parents. Like, what are they? What are they like? And you know, how how strict are they with you in the household? <laughs> and you know, what? Uh, yeah, that all that anything you can think of, basically. And I think my parents are. Uh, Maybe too supportive at times. Uh, they're definitely like, they're part of the reason why I've been able to have like some very odd successes and some odd um, subjects. They're very, are always willing to drive me places, always willing to take some chances on me trying new things, um, whether it be spending three months in LA filming a TV show or driving me two hours away to go compete in the magic tournament. Uh, they've definitely been a big reason why I've obviously been successful as everyone's parents are. Yeah. Uh, so as far as you can remember, like they were just very, um, like accommodating or flexible, just letting you, you do what you, you want to do mostly. Yeah. And my parents are both basically retired. Um, my dad works like once in a while. Um, so they had a lot of time on their hands and they definitely like were willing to try whatever I wanted to do. And, uh, as the youngest child, I get like the, the youngest children privilege. (laughs) <laughs> okay okay so they're not that strict with you then like or are they are they are they strict with you academically or not at all uh, academically definitely i think uh like there's like i guess a level of like like not excellence but like you have to as an indian family there's a lot of expectation but um yeah. they definitely like they've been like reasonable in their expectations and helped me to achieve those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you mentioned in a past interview that you've been all over the place for Magic the Gathering tournaments, mm. right? Like, I think it was Barcelona and some other yeah, places. So I assume your your there. parents or one of your parents has to like chaperone you because you're <laughs> not old enough yet, right? Yeah, I think um, uh, they definitely enjoy it when the chaperonings to Barcelona or Copenhagen, not so much when it's Richmond, Virginia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, they've, they've come either way, which is all that. All that can be expected and more. 
do you remember like how many magic tournaments they've taken you to where it's uh you know it's a bit of a a drive or or a flight or something like that oh my um i think my what when i was in sixth grade the yeah. year i qualified for my first pt i probably done like a grand prix every two months anytime it was like within reasonable distance mm -hmm. um and so they'd alternate duties um actually for most of my early magic career um my best friend was also traveling all the events with me mm -hmm. um and so his parents would take us half the time and my parents would take us the other half okay so okay like that's that's good system. seven or eight trips seven or eight trips okay seven or eight trips domestically and then like three or four internationally as well yeah so I know that you started playing Magic at a super young age, and you saw a lot of success in Magic at a super young age. And I want to know, like, was it was it your friend, or was it like how how did you get motivated to get better at Magic? Because my generalization of Magic players is that typically you have to do a lot of losing before you improve. Uh, like, were oh, yeah. you just were you just successful right away, or did you? What was your method for for improvement? Oh wow. Um... I started playing Magic when I was 12. Um, I might have been right before I turned, yeah, it was the summer before I turned 12 um, at a summer camp. Uh, and I remember my very first pack, I got a Karanas. I have a very vivid memory of this. Um, and I played, I think, for uh, like a few months after that with some friends. But I didn't really get into it until I think I was almost 13. Um, and I saw an ad for the Kiora versus Elspeth dual deck. Mm -hmm. um, I remember buying that and learning that like you could actually like build decks out of these cards, <laughs> which wasn't a concept that had occurred to me before that. Um, and I just started playing against my friends, and uh, I eventually got the you know, like the the motivation and the want to go travel to actual tournaments, which ended up being like my local F and M, um, and. I really worked up the ladder there. I'd started off by going 03 at every event. Um, but as I guess I was really like determined to see like if I could beat the, the old guys. So I started watching a million videos, like reading articles, watching podcasts or listening to podcasts, everything I could do. And I slowly advanced thrilling every week. And then I discovered there were PPTQs and I guess all the while really, I think content and like, Theory is the big reason for my success. I didn't play very much Magic. Um, I could maybe play once a week um, at F&M and then like once a week with my friends after school. But other than that, uh, I would just think about Magic a lot, doodling at school, like writing down deck lists, uh, like thinking about matchups, doing whatever it took to and get an edge. So would you say that you were very obsessed with Magic at that time about getting better or? I think... I, I was like somewhat obsessed. I, I enjoyed it a lot as a hobby. Um, and I remember, oh God, I guess I was like 13 and a half maybe. Um, I went to a PPTQ kind of by accident and I borrowed uh, the local judge's deck. Uh, and ended up getting top four and won 200 bucks. And that was the moment like I was, I was hooked. I was like, I saw this hundred dollar bill was like the most money I'd seen in my whole life. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to have some uh, uh, validating reward, uh, mm. you know, somewhere along the way, right? And mm. that's interesting because, uh, you know, leveling yourself up because of just 
wanting to and also absorbing a lot of content, which is what Ooh. you said. Is that how you get better in other things as well? Like, for example, I think cooking might be different because you need to practice a lot too. I mean, well, magic, you need to practice too. But like, for example, does it, do you think of yourself improving other areas or hobbies similarly? Like you just absorb a lot of content. You just go and like put yourself, lock yourself in a room and just start learning, <laughs> getting a ton of information. Like how does your learning process work basically? Yeah, I'd say I'm a lot more of a thinker than a doer. Um, in the way that I'd always try to like think through everything before I did it. Uh, so whether it be in cooking where I'd watch a video on how to make a recipe 10 times, read two New York Times cooking articles, uh, and then start cooking, for, or in magic where I'd read 30 sideboard guides and a deck primer before I even looked at any of the cards in the list. Um, I definitely like, I guess, figuring things out in my head before I'd ever like put it to practice. How how do you, where this is maybe a very open question, but where do you think you get that from? Like, how did you start uh, learning that way? Did have you always done it that way, or was there something along the way? I uh, I'm like a huge I guess multitasker. Uh, ever since I was like a really little kid, I would love to like play Legos and like watch documentaries or uh, like read a book and listen to a podcast. Uh, like I just like doing like consuming a lot of content. Um, I remember when I was a kid, like my parents have a montage of photos of me like sitting in really odd places, like reading a book. Uh, it's like anytime we sit down in a museum while they were looking at the exhibit, I was reading through my book. Um, I think I definitely, like I just enjoy the act of learning a lot. The act of learning. And because you can multitask, does it, it means like, what is it? Like you can listen to a magic podcast and uh, what and read a cyborg guide or have several things <laughs> at once. So you can, you can absorb things quickly because you can do it simultaneously. Is that right? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know how productive it is, but I'm, I, I'm not very good at doing one thing at a time. Uh, so like no matter where it'll be, um, if I'm like playing in a magic tournament, um, on MTGO, I'll be listening to a podcast about a deck at the same time, or I'll have some television show on at the same time. Um, just like I, I'm very naturally just a multitasker, good, for good or for bad. Yeah. What, what was it like to just learn M MTGO for the first time? Because it's a program that's, uh, I think it's older than you are. Uh, I'm not by sure. I, I think it's by yeah, many think years. It's their 20th anniversary this week, so it's four years older than I am. Yeah, yeah. What what was um, it? Was it was it like frustrating, fine? Like what was it like to learn everything? Like I guess you must I have think, felt like it's worth learning because you wanted to get the practice, right? I don't think I knew like MTGO existed until like a month before I played my first Pro Tour. Okay. Um, uh, I. I don't know, the concept of online magic just didn't occur to me for a long time. Um, I'm not sure how, but I think really, um, but once I found MTGO, I really took a huge, like, a huge liking to it. Just the idea of, again, being able to multitask while playing magic um, mm -hmm. enabled me to, like, get better so much faster and also, like, the process of renting cards instead of having to own them and all of that um, just sped up my learning process so much. I mean, I think from the first day I got MTGO, I was kind of hooked. Um, and I really started playing MTGO. I think the COVID year was when I like started playing MTGO a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you're in school uh, online, uh, there's a lot of freedom you have. <laughs> and so I think you could see me every day from 10 to 10 to 2 o'clock when my school ended playing prelims, playing challenges, playing whatever event there was. Um, okay. So you were actually playing Magic while at school? Yeah, I think it's cool. basically every day of COVID, I okay. played some online Magic in class. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. Again, the multitasking coming in there, I'd be listening to whatever math problem we were doing while clicking through the combat step. <laughs> uh, did you get any weird looks from people, like teachers or other students about it? Or I mean... In online school, like I was just playing on the same computer, so no, oh, yeah, no possible course, yeah, things just, to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, but I remember one time in particular, um, I was playing, I think it was a PTQ during like a super week. Um, and I had to take, I had, my teacher assigned us a pop quiz for our 45 minute class. And I like had to, I was like, oh shit. I was like 5-0 in a PTQ. I was like, I can't take this round off. I can't turn it to zero on this pop quiz. So, and they have like I have a to little- keep playing, yeah. They have a little like um, browser extensions too. When you're taking a test, you can't switch off the tab. So I remember like playing rapid fire the first like 15 minutes of my round. I was like up 10 minutes in MTGO. I tabbed over to my test, like took it as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, and like <laughs> turned it in, like had two minutes on my clock, finished the round. <laughs> um, I remember my teacher like asked me about it at the, like, they asked me like, oh, like stay after at the end of the class. I think I was still in a round while they're talking to me. They're like, hey, like, uh, is everything good over there? Like you took the test in like eight minutes. You had like 45 minutes for it. Like, what, what are you doing? Why, why is this happening? Uh, I think he was very confused there. Did you give an excuse? Like you didn't tell them what was actually happening? You just no, like I, I, messed up. I was like, oh, like, I, I was like, oh, um, I'm in the middle of like an online event. I can't. I had to take the test really fast. Which is technically true. Confused, You're a part but... of an online event, just not not a game or a magic, right? Yeah. yeah I I, um, I remember I had to send him uh, like an article from when I qualified for my first pro tour to show like. I wasn't lying. This is real. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah, it was an actual thing. Um, like this, this game that I was spending this whole class time playing, I was like pretty good at. So I think he forgave me, Lovely. He was a, a nice teacher. Your teacher thought maybe you were really imaginative that you just, you just created this story of how there's a thing called magic and there's a yeah. tour. <laughs> <laughs> I just made a gigantic story and uh, yeah. tried to convince him of it. But I think. So I play Magic Online as well. And that's just like super wild because I can just imagine how, you know, usually you're like turning off all the stops because you're trying to finish it because you only have like 15 (laughs) seconds left on the clock. But in your case, your opponent must be like, what the hell is he doing? Because, (laughs) because like he's ahead on clock and he's still like playing as fast as possible. And then he goes and disappears for eight minutes and then comes back and then finishes the round. It's just, I can't, I can only imagine what it's like to be your opponent. It's just like, what's happening, right? (laughs) <laughs> a lot of confusion like i really needed a restroom break yeah yeah so are there any people you want to shout out like in magic online or just in magic in yeah. general because once you start playing magic online or even offline like are there people that maybe helped you get better or you shared ideas with i think the 
biggest group of people that I've shot as like uh, the hive mind, right? It's called the Boomer Zoomer Discord. Um, a little bit of an odd one, but uh, I think almost a year ago at this point it was created, and it's just like, uh, I guess like this point, 50 or 60 players. Um, and at this point, we don't talk too much about magic, but that was a big way for me to meet new people in the magic online community. And I did a lot of my learning from the people I met through that. Um, it's really awesome. Like, it really started as a bunch of like 15 year old kids, um, just, I don't know, practicing magic. And now there's like Paulo Vitor, Domino Rosa in the server. So I don't really know how that happened, but I'm definitely thankful for that group of people. Yeah, he's definitely not 15 years old. I don't know. <laughs> you might have to get him yeah, out of that group, but he's a he's a legend, so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, and then, yeah, like oh, more specifically, like uh, like Nathan Stewart and Sam Rolf, um, who I practiced with and like played with basically every day during quarantine. Um, as I was trying to qualify for the mocks, um, we would always work on deck lists together, play rounds together, all that, or not like. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I understand. Like, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Co-op. <laughs> or not in that way. Like. I know you just talk uh, about like plays yeah, and yeah, how yeah. to get better. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not during the round. Like after the round, we'd go over replays. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is wild because I just don't, I don't even understand because like, you know how people like my age that I'm in, I'm, I just turned 40, like, or people in, in their thirties and forties are looking at mm. these boomer zoomer group. And like, why are these guys playing legacy and vintage or just magic online in general? Like what, what's the deal with that? Is it just like, there's so many things in the world that you guys can do <laughs> and magic is just ancient fossil. Like why, why are you guys <laughs> doing magic? I mean, honestly, like, I guess it's a cliche at this point, but I do think Magic is one of the greatest, greatest games out there. Like, the, the, there's just so many ways to play and so many ways to think about it. Uh, for someone like me who loves doing things differently, I hate repetition. Uh, Magic is like truly one of the best things I could ha I could have. Um, like, being able to you have to learn 30 deck lists, play 30 decks in 30 formats, um, and really like there's just an infinite variety. Uh, as many deck options there are stars in the world in the universe. So where where do you think you're at right now with magic? Because there's the there's the new PT system and uh, where are you currently in terms of like your relationship with the game or competitive relationship? So I I think I have a little bit of a longer story here. Um, but I mean since quarantine really began, um, or in really the past year, my relationship with Magic has gotten, I guess, worse in the way that I'm not playing as much anymore um, as I used to, but not out of disliking the game anymore, but really because of Wizards. Um, the, like, being unable to play if you're under 18 in Pro Tours or um, any of the really high-level events obviously, like, puts a ceiling on how good you can get. Um, and I think, like, during the first half of quarantine, I think I was worse than, like, a lot of players on Magic Online, so it still felt like there was room to grow. Um, but after I'd qualified for the mocks and the Pro Tour were like four or five times on Magic Online and kind of felt like I'd reached the, the ceiling that I could do there. So like, what? Uh, I don't think I've logged on to Magic Online this year. Um, in all, at all in 2022. Mm -hmm. Just because I guess, unfortunately, there isn't much for me to do. Yeah. 
Um, so what, what's I, the, are you just going to wait two years until you're 18 and then, and then try or what? Uh, well, the new system um, is allowing, you can play, uh, like, I can play regionals um, in the Pro Tour starting now. Um, so, like, I'm just going to play in the next Pro Tour. I'll do all that sort of stuff. Um, like, in a few, I guess, well, that's 2023. So not much, I guess, to do until then. Oh, okay. Okay, so you can just kind of chill and just... Uh wait for 2023 and then after that i guess you can always do more or less or whatever you want right yeah so i think i'm definitely gonna practice a lot for the next pro tour i'm gonna try to um learn everything i can work as hard as i can to do well there and i'm really, I'm really excited for that it is though unfortunate though that over this past year i haven't been able to do anything i'm really gonna lose almost an entire year of playing magic mm-hmm. because of the new rules yeah is that it is rather unfortunate, but I assume you're kind of filling it up the time with like other hobbies or other things that you're, you're, you're working on, or do you feel like magic is such a big part of your life now that you do, you do miss it or you feel like it's kind of a, a void somehow? I think I definitely like, I'm very thankful for like my TikTok and cooking and like going on top chef and all of that sort of stuff. Um, in the way that like, obviously it was a fantastic experience, but once I couldn't really play magic anymore, it was also a great new hobby to take up. Um, like over the past year, I've really spent most of my time now working on TikTok, working on filming videos, working on coming up with recipes, that sort of stuff. Um, and it definitely like took the spot of where I used to spend my time on magic. Do you have any idea what your end, end game or end goal is with TikTok or maybe some of the content stuff you're doing? Um, I have like... When you're like being a that sort of content creator is like it's an odd it's not experience because there is no ceiling in the way that like there is no there is no goal there is no like pro tour to win there is no mocks to qualify for uh, it really is like however much you want to put into it you can get out from it um, like I can always grow to two million followers I can go to ten million like um, there's always more room to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's no there's no finish line right i think that's what exactly. you're saying yeah it's an infinite marathon okay is that is that okay with you like to just to just go go infinite or i think like along along the way there are a lot of like great experiences you get a lot of like there doesn't need to be a destination at the end of the journey the journey is pretty fun mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is that is true yeah i, I mean uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me maybe just the the last question here is uh do you have, is there anything you want to plug? Like where can people find you on social and, and all the relevant links or resources? Um, so let's see, tiktok.com slash lilchefmill uh, is my TikTok account. Uh, you can follow, hopefully get to 1 million. Um, and then I Twitter at millinbiana. Um, I don't post there very often, so I haven't played Magic in a long time. But mm-hmm. next year, next year you'll see a whole lot, hopefully when I win a pro tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go follow to a cap. All right. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans of Magic. To support the show, visit humansofmagic.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at humansofmagic. And you can also consider supporting us at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Thanks for listening, 
and we'll see you next time.